This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. Hey, how many of you remember the, um, the, the ice storms of 2007 here in, uh, in the Iowa area, you know, our area? Remember that? Some of you are like, oh, yes, I remember that. No? You raise your hand if you remember the ice storms of 2007. Okay, yep, yep, yep. Um, I mean, that was a pretty serious ice storm. Our power was out for a couple of days. Uh, many people had power out for actually a week or, or more. Some, some people had it out. It couldn't have come at a more inconvenient time for us because in 2007, we still had teenagers at home that needed computers, you know, and they needed, they needed uh, to print papers, you know, with a printer. And, uh, you know, they, they needed food, cooked food, which I, I guess they were happy to go to McDonald's and stuff. I don't know. But, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the most convenient time for us to, to lose power. Um, we have, uh, you know, an electric stove oven, so we couldn't cook. Um, uh, we couldn't wash clothes, which is a nightmare for my wife. You know, she hates when clothes... I mean, you want to get Christy angry, just, just pile a bunch of clothes in the living room or in the, by the washing machine, just a tall pile. And she's like, ah, you know, especially if she comes home from work and she sees this big pile. She's there looking at me like, don't characterize me. <laughs> yeah, so that was, it was just a very inconvenient time. Obviously, it's always an inconvenient time, it seems like, right? And so I called MidAmerican to try to find out when, when the power would be reconnected, you know, but we'd have power again. And, and of course, because this was across the whole area, uh, they weren't answering the phone. <laughs> you get this voicemail, you're like, yeah, we know, we know your life really stinks right now. We're sorry, you know. It'll get better one day, you know. And, uh, and so finally, I kept harassing and harassing. I finally got, a, got to talk to an agent, and, uh, and we had this conversation about it. And she, she was very apologetic, you know, and she was like, I, I don't know. I, I'm so, she couldn't really tell me when the power was going to come back on. And she actually said this. She said, we are giving regular updates on the, on the local news. And I'm like, Okay, so, so go and turn the TV on in my living room that's not turning on, right? I didn't say that, you know? It's like, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, I'm not Fred Flintstone. I don't have, like, a dinosaur in the back on a treadmill, like, generating power from my house, you know? I can't do that, right? Well, anyway, after a few days, power came back on, and, I mean, it was celebration time in our house. Like, we went through and turned every light on in the house just because we could, so I got, that felt good. Just a, we can turn lights on in the house, you know. And I was ironing clothes, even though nothing was really wrinkled, you know. I was like, we're, we're, we were excited. It was a celebration because the power was back on. The point is that whenever the power went out, everybody knew it. Everybody was affected by it, Right? It was clear that it was a problem. We could not continue to do the things that we'd always done because the power was out. And so with that in mind, I want us to to think about a question as we move through this series called Wind and Fire. Here's the question that I want us to think about. If for some reason the power of the Holy Spirit was to be turned off in your life, would you notice? Would anybody notice? I'll repeat the question. If the Holy Spirit were to leave, 
leave your life, the power of the Holy Spirit to leave your life, if they were to leave, would you notice? Would anybody notice? A.W. Tozer said it this way. He says, if the Holy Spirit <clears throat> was withdrawn, A.W. Tozer, famous writer from the past century, um, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. And so as you read through the book of Acts and the later New Testament, what you discover is that these people were utterly dependent upon the Holy Spirit. They needed the Holy Spirit. It's not language that we tend to use these days. I need the Holy Spirit because as humans, in particular in our culture, we are very independent. We don't feel like we need anything. We work hard at providing for our families so that we don't need finances. We work hard at having, you know, decent relationships with our, with our kids and our wives and our husbands so that we don't need, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit there. We work hard at not needing anything. But if you look at the New Testament, they desperately needed the Holy Spirit. They could not fulfill the mission that God had called them to fulfill. They could not be the people that God had called them to be. They knew that without the Holy Spirit, there was no church. Without the Holy Spirit, there were no followers of Jesus Christ. They were utterly dependent upon the Holy Spirit. So here's the question. If the Holy Spirit were to leave, would you even notice? Would anybody notice? And so for the next three weeks, we're going to be studying about the Holy Spirit. But I hope that we do more than study. I mean, it's important that we study. But I hope that we, we do more than study. I hope that we encounter, we experience the Holy Spirit in the next few weeks. There's definitely a lot to learn about the Holy Spirit. But if all we do is learn... If all we do is study about the Holy Spirit, then we miss the point of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to encounter him, wants us to experience him. In this series, we're using the, the metaphors of wind and fire to talk about the, the Holy Spirit. Uh, we'll talk more about fire in the weeks to come, but today I want to talk a little bit about wind. Um, why are we using wind? Why is the Holy Spirit referred to, or why is the Holy Spirit likened to wind? In the Old Testament, the word for spirit is the word ruach, R-U-A-C-H. Ruach is a Hebrew word. It refers to spirit. In the New Testament, the word is pneuma. It's kind of like pneumatic. You know, it has to do with air. Both of these base, you know, base understanding of both of these words is this idea of wind or breath of air. And it's the image that the scriptures are using to help us understand the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in fact, in John 3, he's trying to explain to a religious leader about the Holy Spirit, and he uses this exact image of wind. In John 3, 8, he's talking to Nicodemus, and he's trying to explain to him how a person is born again, this idea of, of new birth, or of, you know, that the way you were in your old way, you had this experience with God, the Holy Spirit comes in and, and brings new birth, that you are now born again. And so there's this change of thinking, there's this change of living that happens because of this new birth. And so Jesus is talking about that to this guy named Nicodemus, and he says in John 3, 8, he says, the wind blows wherever it wants. Wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. In other words, the wind is blowing. You can hear it, right? But you just don't know where it's coming from. 
You don't know exactly where it's going. In Acts chapter 2, it refers, when, you know, in the early church, when they were all filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit, it speaks of it as a mighty rushing wind. So why wind? Why does, why does the scripture, why does God choose to use this, this idea of wind to try to describe the Holy Spirit? I mean, if you think about it a little bit, it's one of the only things that is non-physical and yet it's tangible. You can't box it up. You can't, you know, you can't grab it. I mean, there's very few things that fall into this category. You cannot see it, but you can feel it. And you can certainly see the effects of the wind, right? So that's what the Holy Spirit's like. It's non-physical, but he's also tangible. The Holy Spirit is non-physical, but he's also tangible. You cannot see him or grab a hold of him, but you can certainly feel him. You can experience him. You can see the difference that he's made in our lives. And so this image is also what makes people a little bit uncomfortable, right? You can't see him, but you can feel him. Right? You see the effects of the wind, but you don't know exactly. You can't actually say, hey, there's wind, <laughs> right? It makes us a little bit uncomfortable. It's, it's because wind can't be contained, and we like to contain things. You know, wind can't be controlled, and oftentimes we have control issues. Wind can't be caught or boxed up, and we like things in neat little packages, especially when it comes to church and religion, don't we? Wind will blow wherever it pleases, and for some of us, that's a, a, bit, a bit uncomfortable. You see, my concern is that as a church, we might see ourselves like a, like a sailboat, okay? Imagine a sailboat. You know what a sailboat's for, right? And so as a church, we might see ourselves as a sailboat, so we invest a lot of money in a sailboat. We make sure that it's, it's beautiful, it's, it's got all the right parts. You know, we even go to conferences to learn about sailboating. We, we get the manual for the sailboat and we, we learn the manual. We know it inside and out. We know everything about sailboating. We might even go as far as reading biographies of, sa- of famous sailors and those who, you know, who were sailboat sail- sailors. We figure out the course for our sailboat. We find the safest route for our sailboat. And all that's important, but really what matters when it comes to sailboating is the wind. The wind. Without the wind, you just have a big hunk of something sitting out there. Unless you have a little motor, cheat motor or whatever, you know, then you can probably move around. See, all these things are fine and good, but what really matters is that the sail is hoisted. The job of the sail is to catch the wind. And so one of my prayers, oftentimes a daily prayer, is, Lord, help me lead this church the way a sail leads the wind. I'm being a little bit tongue-in-cheek there. Because a sail doesn't lead the wind. Now, oftentimes, that's how churches operate, right? We, we, We want... We want the presence of the Holy Spirit. We want God to change lives. We want God to really work in in dynamic ways, but we want this sail and we want to control it. And we want to make sure it goes where we want it to go. But a sail doesn't lead the wind. The job of a sail is to respond to the wind. And so that's my prayer is that we would become people who are responsive to the wind of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit is described as this wind that blows. You can't grab it. You can't 
You can't get a, get a hold of it. You can certainly feel it, right? You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. And so what we want this, we want this to be true, not just for us corporately, but we want it to be true for us personally as well, individually. The world may not understand the Holy Spirit. They may not get it, but they can see the effects of it upon your life. They can see the transforming work of the Spirit in your marriage, in your personality, in your temperament, in how you live your life on mission and with purpose. They see the effects of the Spirit in your life. Again, they don't feel it. They can't grab a hold of it, but they can see what happens in your life. And so the question for us as we're talking is if the Holy Spirit were to leave, would you notice? Would anybody, would anybody notice? Now, I know this subject... <clears throat> for some seems a bit confusing and maybe even there might be even disagreement along the lines of the topic or the doctrine or the theology of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and that's not really where I'm going today. I'm not trying to be doctrinal about the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to be theological about the Holy Spirit, although I am doing some theology now. Um, and it's kind of interesting to me that there is confusion and there's debate and there's disagreement on the Holy Spirit when really one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to bring unity. And yet there is division about the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? And that tells us that we are in this pond where we're, we're thinking theology and doctrine and really what God is asking us to, to do is experience the Holy Spirit. To experience God, the Holy Spirit. And so I want to acknowledge that for some of you, many of you, this conversation that we're having is a little bit uncomfortable. And maybe you grew up in a church tradition that really never talked about the Holy Spirit. It's like, he's God. We know he's God. The Holy Spirit's God, but you don't, your pastor never really brought it up in a sermon because why? What's the purpose of talking about the Holy Spirit, you know? You might even treat the Holy Spirit kind of like that crazy uncle. You just don't want him to show up. And when he does, you want to make sure he hurries up and leaves because you don't want him around too often, too, too long. And so you might feel that way. That's maybe the tradition you came from. Others of you, you grew up where the Holy Spirit was kind of the, like the star of the show, <laughs> right? Even though the significant role of the Holy Spirit is to point to Jesus, it was all about the Holy Spirit. And so there was chaos and there was whatever, and you just, conflicting words, conflicting ideas, conflicting problems, and, and the star of that, of that chaos and the star of that conflict was the Holy Spirit, and that's sort of the tradition you came from. So this makes you a little bit uncomfortable to talk about the Holy Spirit. And then there's some of you that just, you really just don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. You just haven't ever discussed it. You haven't talked about it. It's never been a, you know, it's never been a conversation point in the dorm room or anything like that, you know. Uh, all you know is that people who talk about the Holy Spirit fall in one of two camps. Those who wear a lot of makeup and those who wear none. And that's all you know because you've seen it on TV, right? And so anyway, there's a lot of whatever thoughts and ideas about the Holy Spirit. But today, what I want to do is I want us to understand the Holy Spirit as a person. And that's really the beginning conversation for us, is to understand him as a person, all right? Because if we don't understand the Holy Spirit as a person, meaning we only understand him as a force, as an energy, as a power, if that's all our context is for the Holy Spirit, then the rest of our discussion means nothing. So we need to understand him as a person. It's important for us to understand him as a person. Because if we can understand the personhood of the Holy Spirit, 
then we can understand how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that's really the, the goal for us in this series is to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to let Jesus introduce us to the Holy Spirit in, in John chapter 14. The Bible describes the Holy Spirit as a person who has feelings and emotions, as a person who has a will and desires, as a person who has intellect and thought. And, and let me just qualify something real quick. I might, I might, because we, we oftentimes, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we use the, the neuter or the, the impersonal pronoun like it or, you know, that, and, um, and, and I might, now I'm just going to be honest with you, I might make that mistake. I don't believe that it's an it. I believe it's a person, and there's some confusion even in the, in the language of Scripture where there is a, a little bit of that back and forth as well, but they always, they always point to the Holy Spirit as a person, and so we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit as a person in this, in this series, and this, this person has intellect. It has thought. And so Jesus in John, John chapter 14, 15, and 16, chapters 14, 15, and 16, is kind of the end of his life, and he gathers his disciples together to, to talk about this promise, and particularly to talk about the fact that he's leaving. Um, he's going to be crucified, he's going to be taken up into heaven, and so he wants to have a conversation with his disciples to let them know that he's leaving, and he knows that this is going to be hard for them. They've spent the last three and a half years together, and now Jesus is leaving them. And this is going to be very difficult for them. And he also knows that in the days ahead, they're going to face a lot of challenges as well. And that's going to be difficult. So he wants to let them know that he's leaving, but, but, he's, but the Holy Spirit is going to come. That he has to leave, but they won't be left. And so he introduces us to the Holy Spirit in John 14, verse 16. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is, notice the personal pronoun, he is the Holy Spirit who leads in all truth. The world cannot receive him, another personal pronoun, because it, is, it, isn't, because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him. In other words, you have a relationship with him. You've experienced him. You've seen him at work in your midst. You know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Notice in verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another. That's an important word for us to understand the personhood of the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you have a Bible, you can circle it, or if you want, you could use your app and just highlight that word, another, because it's a very, very critical word for us to understand when we, think, when we think of the personality of the Holy Spirit, when we think of the personhood of the Holy Spirit, it's important for us to understand this word, another. In the Greek, two words can be translated another into the English language. The first word is heteros, which means another of a similar kind. You know, you get heterosexual, you know, it's another of a similar kind. So it's kind of like me, right? Like you see, like you met this really tall, handsome, white bearded Latino guy, and he's kind of like me. Anyways, that's, again, that's not a very good joke. Um, Heteros, right? Heteros. And then the other word that can be translated in the Greek to another is the word alas, A-L-L-O-S. And it's another of exactly the same kind. And this is the word that Jesus uses in this passage. I will send you another comforter. He's saying, I'll send you one exactly like me. Not kind of like me, not similar to me, not my stepbrother who kind of, you know, he's really not at all like me. Not, and I think a lot of us treat the Holy Spirit like the stepbrother, 
Like, let's talk about Jesus, but this Holy Spirit, okay, let's just, no, he's exactly like me. And in the context of Trinity, he is me, the Holy Spirit. See, here's our problem as I see it. We, we have a tendency, we think of the Holy Spirit as a what rather than a who. We speak of the Holy Spirit as an it rather than a he. We relate to the Holy Spirit as a force rather than a friend. And that's really where we're going to go, go today in this, in this talk about the Holy Spirit. That's our problem. And unless we clear this up, this misunderstanding up, it'll be hard for us to understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and how we're to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about how we relate to the Holy Spirit. We talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, and oftentimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about what the Holy Spirit can give us. Like maybe he gives us a dream, or he gives us a, some, you know, some powerful manifestation, or he gives us, uh, you know... Uh, words of knowledge or abilities to heal. That oftentimes, that's simply, that simply seems to be the, the context in which we talk about the Holy Spirit, the stuff that we get from the Holy Spirit. But I today want to talk a little bit about how we relate to the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? And how he's a person, okay? So for us to understand that, it, it, and we need to do that, we need to understand him as a person so that we can embrace him and have a relationship with him, okay? First thing I want you to notice here, for instance, is that the Holy Spirit can be lied to. The Holy Spirit can be lied to. And when I think of lying, I don't think of inanimate objects. Like, I can't lie to my phone or this table. You're an ugly table or insult this table, right? I mean, table has no feelings, Right? Holy Spirit can be lied to. And so we find a story in Acts chapter 5 of story of Ananias and Sapphira. You may have actually heard this story before. It's a, this husband and wife who, who sell a piece of property. And, and they, 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 they sell this piece of property and they tell the church that they're going to donate all the land, all the proceeds of the property are going to donate it to the, to the church to feed the poor. There's this frenzy going on. Now, there's all these poor people, and they're need, and so people are selling properties and land to help the poor people, and and so this friend, and so Ananias and Sapphira tell the tell the leaders of the church that they're going to sell this land and they're going to and they're going to give it all to the poor. But they were that wasn't really what they were planning. Their plan was to give some of it to the poor, but keep some of it back, and so they essentially lied, right? There's this uh, children's church song. that Actually, I've heard the children's church song before. You might have heard it before. The, the chorus goes like this. God loves a cheerful, give him, give it all you've got. God loves a cheerful, give him, give him all you've got. Anybody ever heard that, that children? Okay, I'm not, maybe it's because of my singing. Maybe that's the problem. You, you're not understanding the song because of my singing. That's okay. I get that. I understand that. I've, been, I've tried so hard to be on the worship team and they won't let me. So... Um, so I've heard that song in the past, so I, not because I was in children's church, but I've heard that song in the past. But what I did not know is that there's a chorus, I mean, a verse in this song that I had never heard before. And maybe it's because I'd only heard, they'd skipped this verse. And this is how this verse goes. It says, Ananias and Sapphira got together to, com- to conspire a plot. Have you anybody, has anybody heard this verse? No? Yeah. Ananias and Sapphira had got together to conspire a plot to cheat the church and get ahead. But they did not know the power that the Holy Spirit had. They lied to Simon Peter, and they both dropped dead. God loves a cheerful giver. Give it all you got. <laughs> that's, that's how this song goes. I'm like, really? This is what you sing at Children's Church? 
that's probably why I never heard the, 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 the lyrics to this verse, because it's like, yeah, how does... Anyways, Ananias and Sapphira, they lie. They say they're going to give all the money, but they are not really, that's not their intent. And the problem wasn't that they, that they decided to keep money. That was their prerogative. They could have done whatever. They just, they didn't have to lie about it, right? And so Peter confronts them in verse three, says this, you lied to the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say, you lied to me, Ananias and Sapphira. Why'd you lie to me? No, he says, you lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. And the issue here is not really the money. The issue here is the lying. Verse four, he goes on, he says, how could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. And in this very short narrative, you see that the Holy Spirit is, you know, and God are kind of, the the titles Holy Spirit and God are used interchangeably, kind of revealing the divine nature of the Holy Spirit. It also reveals the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Ananias and Fire, you are lying to God. You are lying to the Holy Spirit. I think one of the ways that we lie to the Holy Spirit is by pretending to be more spiritual than we really are. This week when I was working on this series, on this message, and, uh, and that, that thought came to me, you know, and I was actually reading from uh, Jim Elliott, a missionary. Uh, that really hit me. It convicted me. Because it hit home. Pretending to be more spiritual than you really are, you know, and it just hit me that maybe my hypocrisy or my pretending in order to, to make you like me. I mean, I stand up here every Sunday morning and the idea is for me to, to actually impart something spiritual to you, right? To impart something of wisdom to you so you can walk out of here and say, wow, man, Rich is really, really spiritual. No, that, that's not really the, the idea, right? But there is that temptation to make it look like I've got my act all together and it turns out that it's not so innocent after all. It turns out that my pretending to be more spiritual than I really am is deeply, deeply offensive with my dear friend, the Holy Spirit. Some of you might come to church and you sing worship songs like we did this morning. Raise your hands in worship, just singing the song out loud and just enjoying that. But then you leave here and you go and you yell and curse at your family. That's lying to the Holy Spirit. It's not just an offense towards your household. You're sinning to the, to the person that's in you, the Holy Spirit. You take communion, you celebrate the grace that the Lord God has given us through Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of all of your sins, the fact that he doesn't hold against you the things that you've done in your past and yet you take communion And you won't let go of that bitterness and you won't let go of that hate and you won't let go of that thing you're holding against that person who hurt you. That's lying to the Holy Spirit. You say you'll pray for someone, but you really have no intentions on doing it. It's just sort of a nice thing to say. It's lying to the Holy Spirit. You act like you're generous and sacrificial, but you're really not. It's lying to the Holy Spirit. These are all ways that we pretend to be more spiritual than what we really are. I was, like I said, I was reading Jim Elliott, and he's this famous missionary who, who died a martyr in Ecuador. 
And uh, he's famous for that little, his little quote that I have in several of my Bibles. Um, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Talking about commitment and sacrifice. But Jim Elliott is commenting on this Acts chapter 5 verse. And this is what he says. He says, <clears throat> all across the church in America, people are singing the song, I surrender all. But really, they're lying. <laughs> okay, he said that. I didn't say that. Okay, Jim Elliott said it, just in case you're wondering. They're lying, right? I mean, it's strong. That's what he says. We Christians don't tell lies. We sing them. I guess what I want to drive home is this understanding that, that we're lying to a person. We're lying to someone. It's easy when we think that we're just hiding it from the pastor or hiding it from that person that sits in the church with me but we're really lying to the Holy Spirit. And he can be hurt by that. Second thing we see about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. And this list is very brief and very short. It can be longer as well, but the Holy Spirit can be grieved. In Ephesians 4.30, it tells us that not to grieve the Holy Spirit. I like how the New Living Translation says it. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. So when I read this, that the way I live can actually bring sorrow and sadness to the Holy Spirit. It helps me understand him as a person, right? I mean, you can't really grieve somebody who's not a person. There's this dynamic of personality that we tend to overlook because we think of the Holy Spirit as some force or something out there. That because God the Father doesn't, is not, you know, God the Father, he's up there. I don't know, he sees me some mystical way. He sees me and Jesus, well, he was crucified and and he was resurre- resurrected, and, and then he was taken up into heaven. And he's up there somewhere, and he mystically sees me somehow. But, but I can just kind of do my thing here, and nobody sees me. And so I'm okay. We tend to overlook the idea that the Holy Spirit is right there with us. And the Holy Spirit can be grieved. I mean, you can't offend someone who's not a person, right? Like I said, I, I said this table, you're, a, you're an ugly black table. It doesn't do anything to this table, right? Like if I did Siri, you know, hey, Siri, you're ugly. Let me see what Siri says. Good. Siri didn't respond because Siri doesn't know. Siri doesn't get offended by things like this. I, I did it in first service, and it, I, I didn't intend on doing it. Now I intend on doing it, and it didn't work. And I did not intend in the first service, and it worked. And Siri's like, I don't understand what you're saying, <laughs> you know? So... The point is, the point is you can't offend something that is not a person or someone who is not a person, right? The Holy Spirit is spoken of as someone who has feelings and emotions. Some of you understand this. Like, the more you know and love a person, the more power they have to hurt you. And you've experienced that because the people you have invested the most in, the one you have loved the most, the one you have given more of your life to, turns out to be the person who has hurt you the most. I, I remember when I was a teenager, I, I, I'm probably 15 or 16 years old, and my parent, my mom, had a curfew, you know, be home by 11 on the weekends, you know, 11 p.m. And so I, I had gone out with some friends, and we were off somewhere, and we'd gone kind of far away from where I lived, and it was approaching 11 p.m., and I just knew I wasn't going to be home on time. So I had this constant thought, you know, I'm going to be... But I remember the moment I made a conscious decision. It was a conscious decision to basically break curfew. I said to myself, I'm not going to go. 
I'm, not, I'm just going to hang out with my friends. And I might have said some things like, my mom's dumb or whatever to my friends. I don't know what I said, but, you know, the typical teenager thing. And so I broke curfew and stayed out late, ended up not getting home until about 2.30 in the morning, and I, I head back, to, I head back to, my, to my house. And, you know, this is in Panama, so all the doors are, like, locked up. I mean, they're locked down. Windows have bars on them. You can't climb through a window. You can't sneak in through the back door. They're all locked down. There's like five locks on our front door, five locks on our back door, you know. And so I, I knew that. So I go around the side of the house and I knock on my brother's window and I say, hey, Jerry, it's Ricky. Open the, win- open the door. Jerry's like, okay. So Jerry gets up and it took him a little bit, little bit of time, you know, and he comes and he starts opening the door and I notice that, man, the locks are just going, ksh, ksh. I'm a little bit upset that he's making so much noise opening the door, right? I'm like, Jerry, keep it down. You know, and then finally the door creaks open. The little latch is still on, you know, hasn't been opened all the way. And I look up and who's there? It's my mom. That's right. And my mom just looked, she said nothing. She just looked at me. And I could tell, man, she was, I mean, those were the eyes of disappointment. I had hurt her. And especially because earlier in the evening, I told her, yeah, I'll be home by 11 and just hanging out with these friends, which was all fabricated, all a lie, but I had hurt her. I would have preferred that she had just gotten angry and yelled at me, but instead she just stayed silent and looked at me. I never broke curfew after that. Of course, I didn't, the rest of the story is that my mom did not let me in the house either. She handed a pillow and a blanket through the door and said... <laughs> See you in the morning. <laughs> you have to know my mom. She raised five boys by herself, so she just she knew better, right? Listen, it's one thing to break some rules. It's a totally different thing to break a heart. Are you hearing me? You know that. You understand that. I think that's really the difference between religion and relationship. Religion, the word religion, comes from the Latin word religio, which means to bind together. There's a bunch of rules that bind us together. And so it's easy for us to break rules regarding religion because we look at it and like, man, that rule was invented in 1257. How does it apply to me? It doesn't mean anything to me. And I know there's a remote connection to a Bible verse somewhere, but it's just antiquated. I'm not going to follow that rule. It's easy for us to do that. But when we understand the relationship with the Holy Spirit and we understand that it's not about religion, it's about a relationship, and that when we break the rule whatever rule that might be. We're breaking a heart. We're breaking a heart. And it changes the way we live. You hear me? The last thing I want to say about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit can be your friend. In John 14, uh, and we'll unpack this over the next couple of weeks as well, but in John 14, verse 16, it says, I will, and it's a verse that we read earlier. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Now, I ask you to circle the word another. Now, the word I want us to focus on right now is the word advocate. If you notice, the word advocate is capitalized. It's basically, it's an identifier. It's a name for the Holy Spirit. It, other translations translate it comforter, counselor, helper, and even friend. And so essentially, Jesus is telling us here, the Father's going to send us a friend that will never leave us, that will never forsake us. He can be your friend, not just a force out there, not just a, the spirit. He can be your friend, All right? So this week, what I want us to do
as we kind of dive into this series called Wind and Fires. We talk about the Holy Spirit. What I want us to do is I want us to pray a simple prayer every single day, if you can. Maybe put it on your put it on your on your phone as a as an alarm or whatever. But but every single day, pray this simple prayer. And this is the prayer I want us to pray. Holy Spirit, I want to know you personally. Not not I want to know your power and I want to know your strength and I don't want to know your majesty. Yeah, that's all great. Holy Spirit, I want to know you personally. I welcome you into my life and I want you to be my closest friend. And just asking you to do a very simple task this week is say, okay, that's the prayer I'm going to pray. I want to know you personally. I welcome you into my life. I want you to be my closest friend and because he is. Now, you may be here and you know the Holy Spirit. You've known the Holy Spirit for a long time. And he has been your friend for a long time, maybe even longer than I've even been alive. And you might be here right now and you've never even given your life to Jesus Christ, so you really have no idea what I'm talking about in many ways. But this prayer is valid for all of us. And there's not a single person in this room that says, oh, that prayer doesn't apply to me. A prayer is for that person. No, this prayer applies to every single one of us in this room. Whether you've been serving him for a long, long time or you just started today. You can ask him to know him personally. Welcome him into your life and say, be my closest friend. Amen. Let's all stand. Holy Spirit, I want to know you personally. Holy Spirit, I want to know you personally. I welcome you into my life. I want you to be my closest friend. Let's start there.